Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Friday, August 26, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Working from the Schwenk Studios in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwenk. Working from the Sarah Abbott Studios somewhere near ESPN is Sarah Abbott. I'm Buster Only. My last day in Lake George. I'm headed later today to St. Louis for the weekend for our Braves and Cardinals broadcast on Sunday night. Yesterday, the Cardinals were playing the Cubs, and Paul Goldschmidt had himself a day. The pitch is hit to the right side. Base hit. Past the diving wisdom. Kisner scores, and here comes Newt Bar. No play at the plate. Goldie drives in two more, and the Cardinals extend their lead. It's now 5-2 St. Louis. A swing, and there's a fly ball center field. That's head deep. Back to the wall, it's a gunner! A home run over the 400-foot marker in center field. Paul Goldschmidt with a two-home run day, and the Cardinals lead 8-2. That sound from the Cardinals radio network. At day's end, Goldschmidt leads the National League in batting average at 339. He's second in home runs with 33. Kyle Schwarber leads in that category with 35. And Goldschmidt's first in RBI with 105. That's one more than Pete Alonso. Incredibly, the Cardinals lead in the National League Central has grown to six games. We're going to be talking with Carl Ravage coming up, and I asked him the question, can Ball Goldschmidt win the Triple Crown? We've reached a stage of the season where when any injury could linger into the playoffs because there's simply not enough days left on the calendar to heal. So keep that in mind uh, in regards to this news. The Houston Astros placed closer Ryan Presley because of a neck issue on the injured list. The quote from Dusty Baker reporters, his neck is not any better about the same or worse. The Astros faced the Twins yesterday, and Houston got help from a former Oriole. The 2-2. And Mancini trails it deep to left field, and you can't kiss it goodbye. Into the Landry's Crawford boxes. A three-run jack for Mancini, and a 4-1 lead for the Astros. That was Robert Ford on KBME, 7.90 a.m. The Orioles, Trey Mancini's team, faced the White Sox, and they walked it off. The 0-2. Slider driven out to center field. It'll get over the head of Robert, and the Orioles are going to walk it off. Mullins jogs out from third, touches up, and Anthony Santander. It's a mob scene between first and second base. He has got his second walk-off of the season, and the Orioles take the series against the White Sox, winning it 4-3. to That sound from WBAL. The Mariners and the Guardians faced off, and the Mariners got one big hit from Mitch Chaniger. Swing and a high fly ball, deep left center field. Benson going back to the one-e track with Quine, and this one is gone. Goodbye, baseball. Final score there, 3-1 to one, Seattle. That sound from Seattle Sports, 7-10 a.m. Before the Yankees game against Oakland yesterday, they placed Nestor Cortez on the injured list with a groin injury. Going to be talking with Carl about how big of a deal this is. I And I personally think it's a big deal. During the course of the game, Giancarlo Stanton immediately manifested in his first game back from the injured list. Hit sharply, a base hit to left field. Trevino scores. 
Here comes IKF. He'll score. The throw comes into second. Then Attendee goes to third. It's a two-run single for Stanton. And it's 4 nothing ends. A blowout for the Yankees. They also got news about Zach Britton, the longtime reliever, returned to the mound on Thursday after an 11-month absence because of Tommy John surgery. The Yankees are hoping that he could potentially be a factor down the stretch. The Phillies faced the Reds on Thursday. Kyle Schwarber got them started in the bottom of the third inning. Here's the 1-1. And a swing and a high drive. Deep center. Friedel going back to the track at the wall. It's gone way up off the batter's eye and the ivy in dead center field. Kyle Schwarber with a moonshot. Homer for his 35th of the year. one nothing Phillies. That was Scott Fransky on Sports Radio 94 WIP. That backed Aaron Nola, who was tremendous through the ninth inning. Nola's first pitch. Swing and a ground ball back at him. He's got it. Runs halfway, flips underhand, and the ball game is over, and it's a complete game shutout for Aaron Nola. A 4-0 win to complete a four-game series sweep as the Phillies beat the Reds tonight. And Aaron Nola simply brilliant with 11 strikeouts on the evening as he dominates the Reds. Here was Aaron Nola after the game talking about saving the bullpen. Yeah, I always want to give the bullpen a rest. <laughs> I mean, as starters, we want to go as deep as we can. Um, you know, complete game if we can. Uh, but, you know, seven, eight, nine is, is our goal every single time we go out. And, um, you know, we want to put the load on our back and, and, and save the bullpen as much as possible. The Mets win on Thursday with six strong innings from Jacob deGrom. So their lead over the Braves currently is at two games. Here's Jacob deGrom talking about why the team decided to give him a little bit more rest going into this start. It was just kind of a uh, discussion of what was best for everybody. You know, you had Ty um, in Atlanta, and then he was feeling good. So it was whether he was on, what, 10 or 11 days, and then I think it put Ty on seven, me on seven, Bassett on seven. So it was more just a discussion with that. And, you know, I said, whatever works out best for everybody. Um, You know, if you go 10 days, where's Ty's pitch count? So I think that was kind of the discussion that went into it. And, you know, I said, whatever you guys want to do, I'll pitch whatever game you tell me to. So that's what went into that. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, a couple things to mention here. First of all, Fantasy Focus Football is firing on all cylinders with new episodes five days a week. ESPN Fantasy Football experts Field Yates, Stefania Bell, Mike Clay, and Daniel Dopp provide all the information you need for your draft and your fantasy football season. Expert analysis, debates, and news and notes each weekday on Fantasy Focus Football. You can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of good information there. Lots of good bits, jokes. Uh, I love what those guys do over at Triple F. And don't miss Hulu's Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers, featuring never-before-seen archival footage of Kobe and 120 new revealing interviews from players like Shaq, Magic, and Kareem. Watch the 10-part documentary series chronicling the team's extraordinary story from the inside, streaming now on Hulu. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. 
Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one and done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Jumping into the numbers. This is Hembo Knows on Baseball Tonight. Hembo, of course, is Paul Embikid. He's a researcher for ESPN who is also a honcho for, on the show Get Up. Uh, he tells us he is uh, the head honcho on that show. And Hembo, very soon, very soon, you'll be a dad. What's the latest on that? Mm, so, Buster, our break glass date is, is a week from yesterday. So, Thursday, September 8th is the day that those two girls will come out. If they don't demand, they come out beforehand. I have been given a very hard time by some of my colleagues on Get Up for the fact that I, as a sports television producer, managed to find a way for my uh, identical twin girls to be born the first day of the NFL season. So we're going to adjudicate at some point whether or not I have any culpability or responsibility in that. But I have now 13 days, 12 days and counting until I'm a full-time dad with one in both arms. And so I'm enjoying my six to seven hours of sleep every night. And my hope is I'll be watching a lot more West Coast baseball shortly. Yeah. Um, and what I would say about that is that this is your very uh, subtle way of registering the fact that you're a bigger baseball guy than you are a football guy, right? Um, that, that is it, exactly right. That's 100% right. And if I had planned it even better, I would have decided to do all my child bonding leave throughout October to catch every inning of the postseason. But I think that will wind up coming next spring and next summer. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> all right. Uh, before we go, I was on radio with you yesterday, and you shocked me. Uh, Chris Carlin was working with you, and, and I was shocked to learn that you're actually in favor of this balanced schedule. I said, I don't like it. I feel like I'm the old man yelling at the clouds because most people uh, seem, to, seem to like it. And I thought you were an old schooler at heart, but you're pro-balanced schedule. What's up with that? Well, I am an old schooler at heart, Buster, but at some point it's, it's time for me to cut my losses and, and advance for the 21st century. I agree with you fundamentally. I, I much prefer the old school schedule with being able to sort of have these traditional heated rivalries which have, uh, have driven interest in the sport for a century. The problem is there is no other structure that the league sort of stands by that amplifies that anymore, right? So we have interleague play uh, since 1997. No one really cares about uh, the All-Star game anymore. It obviously has no such stakes. We've expanded the playoffs. So if you're going to you know, add to the playoff field, it probably makes sense for these teams to have more even schedules across the board. Like every single decision Major League Baseball has made in the last 25 years are sort of gearing up toward this, right? We've gotten rid of the DH. Like any number of things are moving in this direction. There's no reason for us to hold on to some things and, and then release most of the others. Like, I, if we're just going to decide to modernize everything, then I'd rather we just decide to modernize everything. And in some, in some sense, I guess the schedule is just another sort of peg 
if that makes any sense. I pre- like, look, I'm with you. Like, I prefer that. I prefer human beings and not the automatic stri- uh, automatic strike zone. But we're advancing to a place now where it's become obvious. Like, this is a fait accompli. And so I suppose, like, in some sense, it makes sense given all the other decisions Major League Baseball has made over the last 25 years. Yep. Uh, Taylor, what do you think about the balance schedule? You being an Orioles fan and having been saddled year after year after year with 38 games against two superpower teams, Yankees and Red Sox. Oh, the Red Sox are a superpower? You wouldn't know it by the way their fans talk. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I love it, man. It is, it's oftentimes depressing, you know, playing in the AL East and just getting beat up on by the big payrolls. And, you know, hopefully one day that'll change. But I, I dig it for sure. Okay. Um, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say too much. I would say this. Thank goodness we got to, like, Captain Obvious place with all teams playing on opening day and all teams playing on Jackie Robinson Day. I'm not quite sure, Hembo, why that wasn't the case beforehand. Should have always been the case. And one more anecdotal example I'll provide you why I think the balanced schedule might wind up working. So you and I are ardent fans of the sport who consume it ravenously every single day. I was talking not too long ago with a friend of mine who lives in Cincinnati. His kid watches the Reds every single night and does not know who Fernando Tatis is, right? So the opportunity for young people to have exposure, close access on their local markets to every single team throughout the season, I do think will create opportunities for you know player celebrity to grow and the exposure to the entire league. That actually could be a good thing in you know, hashtag growing the game. Again, I'm not the clientele there, but I think there could be some ancillary benefits that old school folks like you and I might not necessarily initially think so. All right, you and I earlier in the week were trading emails about uh, Aaron Judge and the impact of Giancarlo Stanton seemingly has had on him this year. But as you know, the analytic community really basically says lineup protection is not a thing. What uh, what say you about this situation? So on balance, I agree with the analytic community and, and reside in those far corners of the internet. However, I think there are any number of cases for which there are anecdotal examples that lineup protection is very much a thing. And in this case for the New York Yankees, with Giancarlo Stanton being out, it's one of those, all right? So these are uh, numbers through games played on Wednesday. Since the Stanton injury, only 43% of pitches Aaron Judge has seen have been in the strike zone. That's the fourth lowest rate in the sport. Since that Stanton injury, 44% of the pitches Judge has seen have been breaking balls. That's the highest rate in the sport. And Buster, I think this is remarkable. Aaron Judge has seen a total of 538 pitches over that time. The first game after Stanton's injury, only 99 of them, 99 of 538 have been fastballs in the strike zone. 99, Buster. That's in 122 plate appearances. Aaron Judge is seeing less than one fastball in the strike zone per time he comes to the plate. If that's not a strong anecdotal example of how lineup protection can matter in certain instances, I'm not sure what can. Yeah, my response to that uh, whole theory that line of protection doesn't matter has always been a shrug of the shoulders and and uh, you know and the uh, suggestion, hey, go talk to a pitcher, go talk to a catcher, go talk to an opposing manager or pitching coach, and ask them if in the moment, pitch to pitch, uh, what dictates a lot of their choices is the score, uh, how many outs there are, and who's in the on deck circle because they'll tell you yes. That's a huge factor. So I don't, I, I, it, uh, that one always kind of drove me crazy. All right. I must say before the season, we scoffed at a prediction that you made about Albert Pujols. And the prediction that you made is not going to come true. But man, he's had a great re- uh, renaissance. 
He sure has. I predicted that he would get to 715 home runs this season. The objective was to say something bold and outlandish. I did so. My original prediction was that he would get to 700, and I thought, you know what? That's not quite hot enough. But look, Buster, there's a really good chance that he gets there. Since August 10th, about you know, you know, three weeks now or so, almost there, he's been the best hitter in baseball. Uh, all seven of his home runs during that time, and eight of ten of his extra base hits have come off of left-handed pitches. Buster, his slash line against lefties is 609, 640, 1565 in in, uh, 25 plate appearances. Those are zip codes that I just read. All 10 of his extra base hits have come to his pull side. He is meeting the ball out front as well as he has in a decade, and he's incredibly locked in. Over that span, he's got 19 hits against 16 swings and misses. And against lefties, it's 14 hits against seven swings and misses. Buster. It is not hyperbole to say that right now, right now, the best matchup in baseball for any lineup on any team is Albert Pujols against a left-handed pitcher. Wow. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking about that on Sunday Night Baseball this weekend. We, of course, have the Braves against the St. Louis Cardinals. And you say that the best pitcher on the planet is 39 years old. And that's Justin Verlander. That guy did not throw a single pitch last season. Pitched only one game in 2020, but even so, I can confidently say he is the best pitcher on the planet right now. So at 39, he leads the majors in wins and win percentage and ERA and whip. Buster, this is a human being that had Tommy John on September 30th, 2020, less than two years ago. There have only been two pitchers that have won the Cy Young Award after Tommy John's surgery. Eric Gagne did so six years after his surgery. DeGrom did so. Jacob DeGrom did so eight years after his surgery, Justin Verlander is the best pitcher in baseball, effectively, while he is still rehabbing, okay? And it's not just this season. Going back to his full uh, stint with the Astros, this guy's been unbelievable. He started se- uh, 97 games for them since that trade. So for the purposes of this exercise, I'm going to round up. Uh, Taylor, you know I like to round up. I'm going to go to 100, all right? His whip over that span is 0.84, a 0.84 whip over his last 100 starts. That is the best run of base runner avoidance over any 100 start span in the history of the American League. That dates wow. to 1901. Walter Johnson, otherwise known as you know the greatest pitcher of all time, previously held that record in a stretch from 1911 to 1914. Yeah, when the ball was still dead. And just for good measure, Justin Verlander's strikeout to walk over that time is 814 to 114, a seven to one ratio. Pedro Martinez is the only American League pitcher to ever have a stretch. That good. That was during his legendary uh, span from 98 to 2000. Look, what Justin Verlander is doing is remarkable. It is even more remarkable when you consider his age <laughs> and the fact that he just got cut less than two years ago. This is, this is a guy having an historic season under rem- like just absolutely ridiculous circumstances. I'm not sure enough is being made of what a sort of a career renaissance Justin Verlander is enjoying right now. And not enough is being made of the fact that he's going to cash in big time when the season's over. He's got a mutual option for $25 million for 2023. It's an easy slam dunk choice that he'll leverage that into either another deal with the Astros or potentially go into free agency. So I want in 30 seconds, tell me, tell me where you think he's going to wind up next year. Uh, he's going to wind up on a, on a three-year, $150 million contract to a massive market team. Like that's, that's where it's going to be. I mean, give me, uh, give me my, the team. Okay. So top of head, my guess would be the New York Yankees who I think if they do not win the world series this year, and if Aaron judge winds up signing elsewhere, the idea of pairing Justin Verlander 
with Garrett Cole once more would be really appetizing. And look, Max, Max Scherzer got $43 million a year to go pitch for the Mets. To me, given how good Verlander's being, 50 is the number that I would be throwing out if I were his agent. And to me, the New York Yankees, so long as they don't win the World Series, will be the most desperate team to sign him. And your Phillies have not only uh, moved up in the standings, but they're gathering momentum. And guess who's coming back? Bryce Harper, mm. who will rejoin the lineup on Friday. What do you think? Well, I think, Buster, that I was, I've never uh, been happier to be wrong about anything in my life. You know, coming into this season, I thought the Phillies were going to be average. And the reason I thought they would be average is because I thought while they would hit like crazy, I thought their defense and their bullpen would stink on ice. But here, look, this is what I'm going to tell my daughter, Buster. Be average, girls. Just be average. Because right now, the Phillies rank 17th in defensive efficiency, and their bullpen ERA ranks 17th. The, those, those sort of uh, cratering options right there have not killed them while they've been able to still really hit. Buster, they're 31-20 and 20 with a plus 39 run differential since Bryce Harper got hurt. They're 12th in the sport in scoring. I thought this team was not well-equipped to be able to sustain any stretch without him. As it turns out, they've been a, they're 11 games over 500 without the reigning MVP of the National League. Look, I don't know if the Phillies are a legit World Series contender. I don't want to get too far out ahead of my skis. We're 70, you know, 70 some percent into the season now. There is enough data, and that was a long enough stretch of time against a good enough cross section of competition for me to say, yeah, I was wrong about the Phils, and I am really, really glad to be wrong about that. Absolutely. All right, Hembo, thanks for doing this. Great to talk with you, and uh, our best to your wife. Thanks, boss. Later, friends. Get out of here, Hembo. Sick of Hembo. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. All aboard. It's 
The Ravi Train with Carl Ravitch. And Carl Ravitch, uh, of course, play-by-play man on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, but this week, Ravi, the Ravi Train will not be at Sunday Night Baseball in St. Louis for Braves and Cardinals. You'll continue to work at the Little League World Series, which where you've seen a lot of great and amazing stuff. Well, every year is different, and this is unique as well. Um, we've got a one, we have one team that's dominated this Little League World Series from Honolulu, Hawaii. They've Buster, they hit five home runs in a game the other day. All of them within about 10 yards of each other, right away center field. Their pitching has been the best. They're just head and shoulders above everybody else. And then when everybody else is in the field on the United States, uh, certainly the last few nights, we've had incredible games. You know, you have competition that's equal with each other. And the defensive plays blow everybody away. We had three Double plays last night, two, six, four, three double plays. Another one where a, a kid grabbed the ball with his bare hand, stepped on second base, fired to first base. The excitement is incredible. There's been a home run robbing catch. Um, it, it, it's binge-worthy television for a week and a half in the summer to kind of wrap up August. And, and this year didn't disappoint. It's just unique in that there's one team that's so much better than everybody else. And the rest of the tournament is credible beyond what Hawaii has done. They've been so dominant. And it led Shane Victorino, of course, the, the flying Hawaiian, to wonder aloud to what happens to the Hawaiian kids after Little League? Because they're always a really successful team. Where's that that transitional period where they go from the 12-year-old you know, into high school and then from high school on? Because they are all this year so skilled and and so good and it's a legitimate question and i i I don't have the answer to it so when you and i did the home run derby together going into that event the the big question was can anybody beat pete alonso who had mastered that event and so moving forward the big question has to be can anybody beat hawaii correct yeah absolutely and the answer i would say is no no one's even close no one's in that class um there's a really good team from Curacao that still has to beat the team Chinese Taipei. And those that follow Little League know the rules. There are pitch count rules, and it was really interesting. that They led a game 6-1 to one the other day with this kid on the mound who throws 78 miles an hour who may have been able to neutralize some of the Hawaii hitters if, if he were available to pitch against them and if they were successful enough to get to a game on Sunday. That's still to be determined. They have to beat Chinese Taipei tomorrow, but the best pitcher is not available. So the, all the stars have lined up where the competition doesn't have their best pitchers available. I, of course, because they've dominated, have both their starting pitchers available for the weekend uh, and many more that follow. And all of the uh, competition has kind of faded away with the ability to use their best arms. So uh, the answer to that question to me is no. No one's beating them. Well, it'll be interesting then because if it happens, it would be one of the you know the biggest upsets we've seen in sports over the last 20, 30 years. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it, 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 right. It is that disparate. That's how much better they've been. They win by 10 runs every game, and they either give up no hits or one hit. There's pitcher buster who has thrown nine innings, struck out 17, and not allowed a hit. And that's not because he pitches six innings. He pitches three innings, and they take him out. He's got nine innings, no hits, 17 strikeouts. 
I, I had uh, Sunday Night Baseball the other night down at Williamsport. Had great conversations with their coaching staff. They're such good people. Uh, really enjoyed those conversations with some of their players as well. So uh, it's cool to see. That's for sure. Uh, I want to talk a little bit with you about this Sunday's game. Uh, even though you won't be there, we're going to be having a lot of conversations about Paul Goldschmidt and the Triple Crown because Ravi, right now, he leads the National League of batting average with 339, and, and he has a significant lead for the batting title. He's second in home runs. He's got 33. Kyle Schwarber is 35. He's first in RBI, one more than Pete Alonso. What do you think? Think he's uh, going to wind up doing it? We look at what Goldschmidt has done. Then you always tend to look at the rest of the guys around him and how long to be to let that guy, especially teams that are in in close proximity in a race, deal with Paul Goldschmidt. There's a couple of reasons I think that he would. One of them, and maybe the most important one, is he's not really phased by any of those things. Goldschmidt doesn't get hung up in and doesn't, doesn't seem to be, and he's obviously not in the market like uh, an Aaron Judge was, and it's great. Aaron seems to be very much back and doing the things that he needs to do, and the Yankees seem to be, you know, at least rated for the for the moment. Goldschmidt, and you know, and I know him, and the personalities. I'm not. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not talking about myself. Um, we we got Pujols here. We got Arenado here. We got guys that run around the bases. So I, I you know, there's a lot of things about his personality uh, that allow him to to weather this will be a media onslaught. But by the same token, there's the other side, which is at some point you may find somebody who's not going to do what, you know, Mickey Mantle and Ted Williams and Lou Gehrig have done. We're not going to allow that to happen. So I think there's a real good chance. I know it's kind of a yes or no answer, but I'm inclined to believe he's got a better chance than many others that have come close recently. How's that? I totally agree with you because of his daily habits. Like he walls off all that conversation. You know, if you ever talk to him, it's pretty clear that, you know, this is someone who loves to talk about baseball as long as, as it's not about his performance. <laughs> like he will go on and on about other players. He'll go on and on about other teams. He's got strong opinions, but he doesn't want to talk about himself because he's so married to the process. Exactly. And the same reasons that I've kind of identified Goldschmidt also apply to the other guys that are in the other races. Uh, Alonzo's on a really good team. Pete has a real good ability to block stuff out. I mean, think about the personalities of Schwarber and Alonzo, two guys we've seen in the home run derby. Uh, Goldschmidt certainly has been and can be in home run derbies every year if he's inclined to do such a thing. Um, and those two guys are on teams that have to win. One of them is getting a superstar back in Bryce Harper. So at some point, Schwarber becomes sort of like option two or three. We're not going to pitch to on the Philadelphia Phillies. So all three of the guys, I think, are obviously going to continue to do what they're doing, which may make it a little bit more challenging. But yes, Goldschmidt is, is the and, and his teammates have said such. He is so reticent to talk about anything that he does. That, that's what I mean, though, about the media attention. Because the questions are going to be about that, how he handles it and his ability to deflect, etc. But he's on a mission all year. And 
you know, Eduardo and, and, and we discussed what he did in the off season and he and Arenado and baseball bats with different, uh, handles, et cetera. So none of that, none of that affects him in any way. And maybe, you know, maybe Pujols' pursuit of 700 also takes some attention away from him. Yep. Uh, yeah, and, and no doubt about that. And Goldschmidt would be the one who'd be like ushering reporters. Go talk to Albert. He's a bigger story right. than yeah. I am. That's, uh, that's who he is. I was looking, Carl, is getting ready for the game this weekend. This morning, the Cardinals lead over the Brewers in the National League Central in yeah. six games. It might yeah. be over at this point. And I, yeah. look, you and I talked last year about the uh, emotional impact of the Braves players when Alex Anthopoulos went out, made deals, added. I really believe that this was a team greatly affected by the decision to trade Josh Hader. And look, there are reasons. David Stern's a smart guy. The Brewers are run by really smart people, and they've been very successful. Uh, and it's not like Hader's gone to the Padres and been lighting it up. In fact, he, in fact, he was moved out of the closer role. But I think, and we, you and I both saw the interview that Devin Williams did after the trade deadline. These guys, it was a body blow for that group of guys. Admit, you know, there's a double-edged sword. Call. Um, one of them is the is the subject that a lot of front office folks and analytics folks like to be somewhat dismissive, although they are aware, which is chemistry. Uh, and chemistry is science, but it doesn't appear to be the science of analytics. And yes, Williams' reaction is one thing, and it's very easy to walk into a clubhouse and realize who's no longer here. The answer is the Brewers now find their their uh, minor league system to be, you know, one of the best in baseball and certainly the best it's been in a long time. You know, the Brewers have lived on, go back to CC Sathia, we'll, we'll add one, we'll, we'll throw a big tree in the middle of this uh, yard and all of a sudden the landscaping will look so significantly better. Well, this year they, they took out a couple of trees, you know, and they added some smaller plants. And I do believe there's a psychological impact on a, your own clubhouse, but let's be honest, Buster, what was the conversation around our trade deadline? Like, Oh my God, the Padres got so much better because of Soto, but let's not forget Josh Hader. So you're, you're allowing a guy that most of the baseball universe looks at as the best closer in baseball to go somewhere else. I mean, he's not with you anymore. There is yep. an impact on the rest of the guys in the clubhouse. That's an important part of that. And you look at that race. I, the Brewers are not going to get in the playoff because they're not going to catch the Cardinals. And the Philadelphia Phillies are getting better. Aaron Nola was great last night. They, they, they have led all of us to believe that Zach Wheeler's injury is not significant. It's, it's, it's becoming – it's just so interesting. You look at the two different leagues – and two and a half back in one versus four and a half back in the other, it feels like the two and a half back is further back, and they're not. Yeah, and Bryce Harper comes back today, which you know will will help the Phillies, help Kyle Schwarber, and and uh, and you know that's going to have an impact. It's been amazing they've been able to weather his absence because I know you and I talked about at that time whether or not they were dead or alive, <laughs> uh, which leads us into a segment known as Dead or Alive. And I want to start with the Boston <laughs> Red Sox, a team that you and I have seen the last couple weeks. Last night, this is what happened against the Blue Jays in the top of the 10th inning. The pitch. Swain, a soft ground ball. Played at shortstop by Bogarts. Coming home with the plate. At the plate, Biggio safe! Wow! On contact, Kevin Biggio 
breaks to the dish. Bogarts with the throw is late. Pulwecki had the tag down, but a hands first slide by Biggio has the Blue Jays in front, six to five. All right, so you saw the Red Sox over the weekend. Uh, my sense was that there was some resignation beginning to set in around that team. You think they're dead or alive? I think they're dead. Um, I, I think they'll play with life because I think the players in that clubhouse and the manager, you know, sort of uh, lives the life of that's what we do. We go every day. We try to win. I don't think they're going to roll over, but I don't think they have a chance the playoffs. So from the, are they dead or alive? And is there going to a second season in the uh, playoffs? No, they're dead. I think even on the Sunday night game here in Williamsport, uh, you know, they were close. They, they brought out, they brought out their best and their best just, just wasn't nearly enough. Their best isn't as good as the other teams, especially in the bullpen. Um, they, they've just been a mess at first base all year. And with all due respect, it, it, it could have been addressed before the season started. They, they've been on life support really since the third month of the season. And no, I don't think they're alive. I think they're dead. Yeah, and su- assuming that they don't make the playoffs, boy, they are going to head into an offseason, which is going to feel like a crossroad. Uh, the Yankees last night, they got Giancarlo Stanton back in their lineup. Uh, in talking in, in recent weeks with members of the Yankees organization, they kept on referring to that. Like, boy, we need G back. We, right. we, we got to have the guy. We got to get the lineup restored. But I must say, although they piled up a bunch of runs against Oakland last night, I thought the bigger news from the Yankees was the fact that Nestor Cortez went out with a groin issue. Because I got to tell you, Carl, in some respects, I look at him as being maybe the most important guy in that rotation going into the playoffs. Because he's a guy who pitches with such confidence. You feel good lining him up in game one, game two, et cetera. Am I overreacting? Do you think this might be a situation where maybe the Yankees are just sort of taking care of this guy as we get closer to the playoffs? No, I don't think there's any. I don't think you can overreact to a pitcher of his magnitude. Similarly in Philadelphia with Wheeler. I know that they're somewhat of the belief he'll come back after missing two starts. And look, they seem to believe their doctors. And doctors sometimes can be wrong. Uh, that's, that's a... That's a yellow, that's an orange flag for me. Uh, the wheel situation, certainly the Cortez situation. I think the same thing we just discussed with chemistry in the Brewers Clubhouse. Having Giancarlo Stanton back, whether he ends up going 1 for 4, 0 for 4, or 4 for 4, it, it, it's, the, you know, it's the piece to the jigsaw puzzle that's, that's somewhere in the middle of that pile and you finally found it. And then all of a sudden now the whole thing starts to feel like the puzzle is being put back together. So offensively, assuming health, they're fine. They will score. They've been the most dominant offense for 80% of the season. And, you know, the Dodgers may have passed them because Stanton was out. When he's healthy, their offense is great. The biggest problem with offense of year, and certainly in September, is you're facing staffs that don't care about how their numbers are the season. And they're really good at uh, diffusing those dynamic offenses, which goes right around the corner to what you just said. Gary Cole has to be great. Nestor Cortez has to be great. Uh, you know, Herman, th- there, there are just more question marks with the Yankees pitch off. Nestor Cortez and he's healthy, and you eliminate or he's in any way compromised. It, it, it absolutely will be the Yankees' opponent. Yankees starting pitching will be 
the center of content about ability to survive and move on. There's no doubt. I don't think you're overstating anything. You're talking about Cortez injury. And if he's not there and they rely on him, they're not going to win the World Series. Yeah, I think because they're going into the postseason already with a lot of questions about Garrett Cole. You know, we saw him in the wild card game and about how he's going to handle a big moment. And so Cortez is really needed. All right, Robbie, you will be missed this weekend, but have fun in Williamsport. And we'll see if anybody can challenge Hawaii. You got it. Bleacher Tweets. All right, Buster, it's time for Bleacher Tweets. The first one comes from T. Jones at TNJ629. Buster, do you think the elimination of the waiver deadline of August 31st was a good or bad thing? I like it. You know, I like the fact that the teams have to settle on what the rosters are going to be uh, at the end of July, early in August. I, I didn't, it didn't ever felt right to me that you'd see teams add, you know, like three, four veteran players at the end of August. It felt like, you know, the teams that had, uh, you know, higher payrolls had an even more significant advantage once we got to the waiver period because there were a lot of small market, mid market teams that wouldn't consider taking on those guys. Next up is P.K. Steinberg at P.K. Steinberg with a quote-unquote balanced schedule in 2023 and beyond. Will baseball do anything to realign divisions, or are they actually pretty set, as in they make sense the way they are? With two fewer in-division season, water down those races or make them more competitive? Yeah, P.K., I think that the divisions will be balanced out when they add two more uh, teams through expansion. And I do think that's going to happen in the next decade. And one of those teams will be from Nashville. That's all I'm going to say. That would be fun. Oh, yeah. Up yeah. next, we have Don Irving at Don Irving. Which team will be more successful with new ownership, the Nationals or Angels? Don Irvine, I'm going to bet on the Angels. Uh, you know, it's been interesting since we got word about Artie Moreno, hearing from folks with other teams who are basically saying, boy, if the Angels have new ownership that's more aggressive and stays out of the way of a talented front office, that you could see the Angels quickly bounce back. I mentioned earlier in the week, if I was an advisor to the incoming owner, I'd say, do what it takes. you got to sign Shohei Otani to distinguish yourself from previous ownership. Be good to each other at the legend 22888 writes in, how close is the NL Cy Young Award race right now? Gonsolin has a lower ERA rip in K9 than Alcatara. Oh, and he leads in this new stat called wins. Getting sassy. Be too good to each other. <laughs> Any chance he gets the nod, or is it really just a war IP contest these days? Yeah, I think it is. Mostly, I think those are the first numbers that uh, some of the voters are going to look at, uh, wards and innings pitched. And by the way, you can't dismiss that. I, and in an era in which you know teams are holding back pitchers from throwing too many innings, Sandy is, I mean, he's racking them up. He might wind up the season with 230, 240 innings. Those are the type of numbers just unheard of in this era. Andrew Sanford writes in at Sanford minus son. Hey, Buster, I've heard nary a peep on the pod about my beloved Texas Rangers firing their manager and president within days of each other. While I admit I'm happy to see Daniels go, hashtag justice for Nolan Ryan, it does seem like odd timing. Thoughts? Yeah, and I'm absolutely guilty of that. I have not addressed that in the two days since I've been back. Um, it's a significant change. Uh, let's face it, with John Daniels, it was just that too many years had passed since they actually had had success. 
Um, you know, you saw Brandon Hyde this year having success uh, with the Orioles, and you're happy for him because so often teams that struggle for an extended period of time, no matter how much talent the manager has, there's going to be a change. And I think that's at what happened with Chris Woodward. I think he manages again sometime in the big leagues. I think it would be a good idea, uh, you know, in sometime in the next couple of weeks, I'll get try to get Chris Young on. He's the head of baseball operations for the Rangers to see what plans they have. All right, that's it for Bleacher Tweets. Be sure to submit your questions using hashtag Bleacher Tweets, and we'll see you next week. That's it for today. Uh, that's it for this week. My thanks to Carl Hembo, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. One last word. Our next podcast is going to be on Tuesday. i got to travel on Monday morning back from St. Louis, but I'll be doing a podcast next Tuesday, and we'll be hearing from Tim Kirchin, Sarah Langs, and all your favorites. Tim, everybody. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provides one and done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.